Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. And welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin with our wonderful story of reinvention, let's go ahead and take a golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. And of course, if you're doing an activity and listening to your podcast while doing that activity, just use this as a deep breathing exercise to get really centered in your breath and in your body. But if you can, sit comfortably, sit in a chair with your legs uncrossed, or if you're seated Indian style, sit upright and with your legs crossed and your palms open on your lap, and just go ahead and close your eyes. Just begin to breathe with me. Breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. On the exhale, Just release and let go of any tension you feel. And breathing in again, pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just release and let go. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. On the exhale, let go of what doesn't serve you right now. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, through your heart, through your core. On the exhale, relax, release, and let go. And this time, as you breathe in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you fill your heart and your mind and your body with pure golden gratitude, on the exhale, release, relax, and let go. And filling your mind, filling your heart, filling your whole body with pure golden gratitude, exhale, release, and relax. And filling every cell of your being with golden gratitude. On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in that pure golden gratitude to your mind, to your heart, through your core, through your entire body. Exhale, release, and relax. One last time, breathing in that pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being. On the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. I just want to thank you for taking that golden pause. It always makes such a difference. It helps me get grounded, that's for sure. Well, I'm so excited um, and so honored about our guest speaker today, Elizabeth Andrew. She's not only a friend, really good friend. She's just um, really just an amazing, she has an amazing story of reinvention, which is why I invited her on the podcast. Elizabeth is a top producing technology sales executive, a startup advisor, and TEDx speaker, 
who has established herself as a leader, motivator, and role model with her inspiring story of career re-entry by breaking barriers into the San Francisco technology space. At nearly 50 years old, after a 17-year career break, she is currently VP of Sales at Pluma. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. I'm so happy to be here and um, so grateful for, for your continued friendship and everything we've, we've been through together in the last few years. And it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Elizabeth, you know, I um, had the honor and pleasure of diving deep into your story with you when you um, did your TEDx talk. And I was just really, um, I, I've always been really blown away by you because you have such a go get em spirit. And I just want to share, want you to share your story. And, and let's go back to um, the different phases of your life, because I would love for our audience to know who you were out of college and then who you became as a mother, and then how you re-entered into the works, the workforce. So let's start there. Let's start with your who you were as a young woman, a young Elizabeth. Oh well, it's been a lot of years. Um, you know, I had I actually was very shy when I was young. Um, it didn't last once I got to college, and um, I had gone off to uh, University of Colorado and, and been very involved out there. And um, after college, I moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area and was extremely motivated. I was very um, high energy. I had a fair amount of leadership experience in college. I had um, done a number of things um, on a pretty large scale in, in college um, as far as leading teams. And um, I knew at that time, of course, this was a long time ago, that I wanted to get into the investment industry and you know that was where everything was happening at the time and so i moved back to san francisco and i found a, a great opportunity at a company called franklin funds which is now franklin templeton funds um, it was a very exciting place to be at that time a lot of young you know um, entrepreneurial motivated employees and so it felt a bit like an extension to college and um so i launched my career there i i got it started in a call center i ended up running um being a supervisor of a, a call center there and then moved into corporate training and development and i was giving presentations when our customers would come in from all over the world and um, most of our you know customers happened to be investment advisory firms and um, we were selling wholesale through um, investment firms. And so I loved it. I realized I was good at it. It was teaching and public speaking. And, um, you know, but at that point, I, I kind of recognized the fact I could do the same thing on the sales side and make a lot more money. And um, at the time, laws had changed and banks were just breaking into um, being able to distribute uh, investment products. And so Wells Fargo was looking to build their very first mutual fund company. And there was a national sales manager and a few external um, institutional wholesalers, and they hired me to come build an inside sales team. So I hired, trained, and managed 15 inside salespeople to mirror our national expansion. And it was a super exciting time to be there. It was, even though it was Wells Fargo, we felt very much like a startup. We were independent from the, the banking location. And we ended up taking that from zero to a billion dollars in, in assets for, for Wells Fargo Asset Management. 
And the last region that we went into as an investment company was the Northeast. And that's primarily because it's the investment capital of the world, um, mutual funds, particularly uh, up in the New England, Boston area. And so they asked me to go open up that region. So I did. And, you know, I, at this point, I was in my late 20s. And um, my family said, go for two years, have a great time, don't fall in love. And I literally moved from the San Francisco Bay Area to Boston in January working out of my house in my car. And um, this is back when sales too, when you talk about sales, um, this is back when carrying a bag was really carrying a bag. You know, you're carrying literature and um, I was navigating, you know, the, the snow and calling on investment firms and super exciting time. I saw that as a huge opportunity for me at that point where I was in, in my career. Um, and I how was, old were you at that point? You were in your 20s? Yeah, I was in my late 20s, about 29. Um, and and so, I, I just want to highlight something she said that you might have missed when her family said, don't fall in love. <laughs> 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 There's a reason for that. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Tell us then what happened. You had all this success and then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I literally took that region from zero to 70 million in sales and calling on investment advisors. And it was a really interesting time uh, not to jump over that because 99.999% of my customers were white men that looked like my dad. And nobody was talking about the rise of the female executive and all these things that is in conversation. I know we worry about diversity numbers here and, there, and there's truth behind that. But at that time, it wasn't even a conversation. And, you know, I was able to be very successful there. I took it from zero to 70 million in sales and then did not heed my parents' advice, as you know, Chris, the story, and um, ended up um, meeting a New Yorker and... Um, after several years of, of building that region, I left the workforce and got married and moved down to New York and decided to start a family. And, you know, I realized pretty quickly that my heart was in um, starting my family and raising my kids. And we moved up to the suburbs in Connecticut. And I ended up taking 17 years off as a stay-at-home mom and loved those years. I, um, Raising people is a is a pretty awesome responsibility, and it was big job. It's a big job, <laughs> and interestingly, I did a time. One of these people now that I I have a lot of energy. I like to use my brain, and so I did a ton of nonprofit work in those years. I did fundraising and event planning for large scale events, and uh, many of those things that I did in those years were as challenging as anything I've ever done professionally. Um, you know, and, and you're dealing with volunteers that you may or may not be able to fire or they may or may not do their job. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it's challenging, but, um, but I loved it. And in 2011, I moved back here to the San Francisco Bay Area with my family and my kids were getting a little bit older. And so I felt like it was time to get back to work. And so I did. And I, um, after a 17 year career gap, found that I was absolutely unemployable. Nobody would return my phone calls. Uh, recruiters were hopeless. They they wouldn't help at all. And um, it was it's almost like it's almost the same as when you first get started in your career, isn't it? Like because I remember when Kenna was first looking for a job, it was kind of the same thing right out of college. You know, you're just 
you're not really like you, you don't have any work experience and but but this is different because you have a whole life behind you so and there's also this there's sort of this stigma or I think you know what's beautiful about your story is that stories like yours break through the stigma that you know you have this fear that you're too old to get back into the workforce and there's a reason for that too right because there there is a, it is hard it's it's a hard breakthrough so yeah so how did you what what were your steps like how did you get to that point where you were able to break in you know i yeah and i i would i would argue that honestly i think it's 150 times harder at, after a career break than it is out of college. And interestingly, I wanted to get in the investment industry and had um, graduated um, in 1987. I was I was looking right around the time of Black Monday when it was a bad time to be in the job market. And yet it's still substantially harder after a career break. People do not, you know, of course there's ageism. Yeah. Some people do not see uh, older women or, you know, older people, actually, there's a lot, I get a lot of men reach out to me that are a little bit further along in their career and, and, and having trouble getting back, you know, looking for direction, and, which by the way, I, I always try to help people. I'm, it's not my career path. I do it as a, as a, you know, these kind of conversations just to share experience and try to help, you know, other people. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I found that it was very, very challenging, um, but I started through, um, and it was interesting because I had somebody, you talk about gender issues. I, I remember having somebody that I trust very much and had a wonderful career say, you know, you should really consider being an assistant. And, you know, that is a very, very challenging role and it's a very detailed role, but I don't have any qualifications for that. You know, it's like the only qualification that I, I found that very interesting. The only qualification I have for being um, an assistant is that I'm a female. But I did. I ended up, you know, I I found um, one friend who I had lived on the East Coast who uh, worked for an investment bank and had somebody that was leaving on maternity leave and needed somebody to fill in. So I filled in there. I did a little bit of recruiting um, for a couple of companies. I did whatever I could find. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then I finally found an opportunity uh, working for Putnam Investments. It was 20 hours a week, got me back into the city, full benefits, working for the West Region Director of Sales. And I actually found that job on Craigslist. Wow. You know, it's, I'm in sales, so I'm a networker. And I, you know, I always am looking for different types of avenues and paths and love to meet people. And so, you know, that's one thing that I really encourage people to do is look outside the box. You may not get any attention on from recruiters or from Monster Inc. or Indeed or those sort of things. But if you look at some of the smaller platforms, I found it on Craigslist. You could find something on um, AngelList or The Muse or a number of other tools and solutions out there. But that got me back back into the city and working. So such a journey. I mean, you had quite a run with what was it? Um, what was the company that you then went to? Was it Dropbox or Hello Sign? Hello Sign. So I actually, so I spent a year at Putnam Investments, and at that point, um, I really felt here I am in downtown San Francisco, and the energy was so great and so young and so much going on in tech, 
And I just felt at that point, there's no fun to be had in financial services anymore. And so much going on in the Bay Area and tech. And I knew that if I were going to get back into institutional sales, you know, everything is on the East Coast. And I'd have to sit for my licenses again. And it's so highly regulated. It had changed so much. So as long as I was reinventing myself, why not try tech? And so I did. That's like, that's what I like to say. Um, I think I'm going to call this episode, uh, what glass ceiling, because I don't think that you ever, um, you know, you, you sort of shattered the whole idea of a glass ceiling by your path and your journey. And I mean, I think that's just so awesome that you entered like the most competitive arena in tech, you know, in your fifties. And it's just such an awesome, awesome thing. And I bet they were really, really happy to have you. Well, it was, you know, it was a journey, right? I mean, it wasn't, it, you know, what's that saying? It, it, it looks that way now, but, you know, it takes seven years of hard work to be an overnight success or over, over, yeah. overnight sensation, right? It's, you know, I found my first job. Um, I had done inside sales, external sales, sales training and development, sales leadership in my previous career. And um, I found my first job in sales operations, and, you know, that is definitely not my wheelhouse, but, you know, I know they hired me because I have a lot of sales enablement experience and was capable of, of helping, but um, it was great for me because it got me up to speed with all the tech tools. And how was that? Like when you first re-entered, I mean, you know, because after 17 years, you know, I'm sure some things felt like they might've changed. And did you have, how did you review? How did you get prepared for that sales job after being out of the sales you know, working in sales all those years. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that. I remember one time when I was a stay-at-home mom and my oldest son was in, he played the saxophone in a jazz band in middle school. And he was in the band room with his band. And um, I was out with three friends and we were looking to schedule a meeting or lunch or something. And they had their phones and I had my old day, day timer, you know, that old... <laughs> day planner, you know, and my son was mortified because I didn't have the, you know, the cool tech. Um, you know, this is something that I argue a lot when I speak to companies about why they should let people back into the workforce is that you can get up to speed on that pretty quickly. You can get fully up to speed on all those tech tools. They, you know, that's the number one reason that companies don't hire older candidates or people that have been out of the workforce is they feel they're just not up to speed with the, the tools. And you can get up to speed on that in no time, but you can't teach 20 years of experience in a year. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of value. And you and I talked about this when you were coaching me and helping me with my TED Talk. You know, there's a lot of value in, you know, un understanding that and, you know, understanding that there's a lot to offer. And I think that companies, even if you're the coolest tech company in, in San Francisco, or now it's it's moving to Austin and other parts of the country, uh, not all your customers fall into that, you know, that stereotype. And so you may be calling on, you know, the average age of a CEO, corporate CEO is 58. And so you may be calling on customers who, you know, are not the typical tech sales person. So you should have people on all of your teams that can reflect your diverse set of customers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because would a 58-year-old CEO want to be called on by somebody more that's in their age group or a younger a younger person? And I would say you're right. They would want 
somebody that's more in their age, age category to call on them. And, and like you said, I'd love to highlight that for all of our listeners, because my, um, the age range on my podcast is about 40 to 65, mostly women. And I figure that you know, the women that are going to be listening to this are going to be interested in, you know, what does their 2.0 version of their life look like, you know, and, and how do they reenter after, after having kids? And, and what Elizabeth and I have talked a lot about is that, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you got to really get your confidence up. I mean, you have to, you have to, um, that's probably your biggest obstacle is, is the confidence aspect that you have, don't, ha might not have because you've been out of the workforce but once you have that, then you realize that you have the wisdom. And even though your PTA and your volunteerism isn't something that you can necessarily um, tout on your resume, that has given you a wide breadth of experience of organization and planning. So has being a mom. I mean, let's face it. You're CEO of your own household when you're a mom. You're running a lot of ships and a lot of things, and you're dealing with a lot of issues. And and problems, you become an amazing problem solver as, as a mother and over the, the span of raising children. Um, and that said, you know, you can't go in and say, well, I'm wise and I'm a problem solver and all of that, but, but just knowing that those kinds of qualities are really going to um, help you tremendously as you enter the workforce and as you find your niche, um, I, I think that's, that's amazing. And and yet it's still, it is still very daunting, isn't it, Elizabeth? I and mean, then you went through, you've had, you've, you've had several career moves since, and now you've landed in, in a job that you love again. And, um, and, and tell us about that. What's that been like? Cause I know that you, um, Elizabeth had joined our book group during, um, COVID and she was looking for a job and how was that finding a job during COVID? Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. I mean, a few things that you touched on there. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, getting back to that first part, um, I always often say to, you know, decision makers and companies or, you know, when I'm trying to get them to consider reentry candidates, who would you rather sit down with me or my 22 year old son? Right. And you get that, that breadth of experience and I'll answer your question. So I did, um, you know, I, I had a great run with a tech startup um, about four and a half years, Hello Sign. We, when I started, I was about employee 40, 42, something like that. And, and we ended up being acquired by Dropbox, which was a super exciting, you know, happy um, exit for a startup. And I stayed there for about a year and um, really felt like, you know, it was time to, you know, I'm a mom. I'm good at wearing a lot of hats. I, Dropbox is a great company, but it's huge and publicly traded and siloed in areas. And so I wanted to get back into an earlier stage. And so I did. I joined this company, um, Pluma, which is very exciting. But I was in a job search for a period of time during the pandemic. And it's very interesting speaking on career reentry and having done that over the last few years in my story and experience, then having going having to go through it during COVID because it's a very different experience doing everything virtually and and through Zoom. Um, but I'm very, very happy. I, I'm at a great company that seems to be a really good fit for me and I'm loving it. Another thing that you had mentioned that I cannot emphasize enough is that you know, there's there's a, a bit of experience that comes with going through things in life, right? And 
I'll never forget when my kids were in that early high school age and I had been at a parent meeting and seen all the parents in there. And then I left and I went down to um, what was the lower school in Connecticut and seeing a lot of people in line, kindergarten moms and first grade moms. And I just said to this girlfriend of mine, I said, there's a different look. There's just a different look when you look at those parents over those high school parents. And the difference is nothing bad has happened to them yet. You know, it's there. It's still about the shoes and the car and, you know, everybody looks fabulous. And all my friends in high school look tired. <laughs> and, uh, I think having gone through many life experiences and being, you know, in my late forties, when I relaunched has made me a better leader, more empathetic, more um, humble. It's, it's really, it's a very, very good time in life to be working. And I love it. So what are your, um, if you could give somebody who's listening your, you know, top three pieces of, of advice for, you know, really they're, they're just exploring. They're just um, looking, you know, to bring what they've done in the past, like you did, you know, forward in, in a way that's relevant and current, but they don't know where to get started. Where, where do they start? Well, first and foremost, if you want to get into the business world, LinkedIn, you need to get in onto LinkedIn and so I, again, am a networker. And so I looked a lot for different organizations. I mentioned that I had found my first job back on Craigslist, but I was looking at meetups. You've heard of that organization, you know, the way you can find different types of meetups. There's tons of groups. You've heard of Lean In. Sheryl Sandberg started um, Lean In Circles, which are pretty much all over the country. There's, I found an organization called the Club of Silicon Valley, which is a women's leadership group. And I had found it, I was just networking and met a woman through a platform that was kind of almost like a, uh, it's no longer, it's called glass breakers. It's no longer um, around, but there are other tools like that. There's one called lunch club where you connect with other um, professionals. And she told me about this club of Silicon Valley and I went to an annual dinner for it and um, found out they were doing a women's leadership incubator and so I applied to that and was accepted. And so that was a year-long program we met once a month that really helped with branding and building a network and, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, there's tons of organizations like that, Leading Women in Technology. Um, there's also an organization, a number of organizations that um, help with career reentry. I relaunch and Path Forward and... Um, uh, reboot a cell and they have programs and conferences. And so if you can network, I, I started becoming a student in my own profession and following, even though I wasn't even in tech yet, following different organizations on social media like TechCrunch. And I had read that TechCrunch was having a, um, a meetup in San Francisco at Chrissy Field and it was like $25 to attend. And I went out there. I didn't know a soul. And I was in line for a food truck and met the CEO of a company. He had just moved here from India. We're still in each other's network. I and mean, he ended up buying my, I didn't get a job from him, but he bought my product at, at HelloSign a few years later. And so you just never know 
how you're going to meet people. So I would say that would be, you know, the, the first and foremost. Um, the second, I, I, love, I just want to highlight something you said right there. Um, you said you became a student of your own profession. And I, I love that so much um, because I think when you bring that kind of curiosity and you bring that kind of um, the kind of mind that is open to learning, that is the kind of mind that is also open to seeing opportunities. So I and creating opportunities and being around people. Yeah, I think what was really beautiful also what you said is you kind of put yourself around people that um where you could meet people that could possibly elevate you. And thank you for all those great um, networking tips for our listeners too, because those are all really powerful things, you know, LinkedIn, all the ones that you named. Um, can you just name a couple of them again, just because I can't even remember them at this point. <laughs> sure, sure. And I, you know, I, I can even share with you, Chris, after, um, you know, a list of Resources. That would be great. Then we can put that list in the show notes. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, I've I've had a I've supported a woman by the name of um, Carol Fishman Cohen, who is incredible and has started this organization, I Relaunch, and they do a. Uh-huh. I've spoken at their conference at Stanford University a couple of times, and they have tons of resources um, that are available. And uh, Carol, by the way, also did a TED talk that landed on the big TED stage. And nice. she wrote um, a book, The 40 the Year Old Intern. Um, and she's very dialed in. There's actually a lot of companies, by the way, um, globally that do returnship programs. And that's nice. a whole nother story. But it started in um, 2008 with Goldman Sachs started a returnship program and a lot of the financials, it was so successful um, for women, mostly women, but women and men returning to the workforce um, after a career break. And it was so successful. Um, In fact, a couple of years ago, I think Google ended up hiring the person who started the first returnship program from, uh, and I actually think Goldman Sachs may have coined the term returnship. So it's probably a return to work programs, you know, Uh That's great. That's right. So we have LinkedIn, we have networking. What's your last piece of advice for our listeners today? So, yeah, the other thing is too that, that um, I did for myself and, you know, I ended up after 21 years um, getting divorced. I'm a single mom with three college tuitions, (laughs) which is (laughs) exciting. Right. Um, But, you know, I ended up, um, you know, rebuilding my career. And one thing that I, really did is I, you know, I'm not a CEO. I consider myself a CEO of Elizabeth Inc. So I'm the CEO of my own life. And I started to think about my life that way. And so, you know, I know that I try to bring in more than I spend. And as part of like thinking of myself as, you know, and this can't kind of come came down to that thinking on building a brand around your career. Um, you know, I set up for myself um, unbeknownst to some of my dear, dear friends, my very own executive advisory board, and you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a handful of friends. I have a friend who um, who wrote content that I worked with um, at Hello Sign for years. And, you know, if I'm writing a blog or when I was writing my TED talk, I um, I sent it to her to look over. I have a friend who is a lawyer and I could run anything by her that, 
you know, might be a legal question that, you know, doesn't before I want to hire an actual lawyer if I needed to, you know, I have, um, you know, you have certainly helped me, you and, and Deb have helped me with the book and uh, a number of different things. And, you know, you helped coach me along with, with the TED talk. And, you know, so I have these different, you know, my inner circle friends that, um, you know, one friend who was uh, had a great marketing career. She actually never went back to work, but you know she's very very good at marketing. And um, so um, you, I have these people that are almost like my very own board of advisors. That That's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Elizabeth, I mean, you have such an amazing um, story, and you have so much courage and. We've always uh, marveled at your courage, you know, and you're just, like I said earlier, you're just a go-getter, you know, and, and I, what I love so much is that you, you didn't, you've built on all of that go-getter energy that you had when you were younger. None of that's left you. And I, what I want people to know is that you don't leave that person behind. You actually become a better version of that person with all your life experience. And I think you've said that in this interview. And I, and I, what I really want our listeners to know is, and to feel the confidence of that, that yes, it's a journey. It's going to take research. It's going to take, you know, um, maybe doing a few jobs that you're not like completely crazy about in order to build that career again, but it'll, it'll happen faster than you think. And, and, and so I just want to also say, or just have you share Elizabeth, what has this done for your feelings of yourself, like your self-identity and your self-worth? Because um, I imagine that that's been huge and, and, and that's probably a, um, a side sub-benefit of all that you've done that you may not have even been aware that you would have loved the way the woman that you've become. Is that true? Well, thank you. I mean, I would say now, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like I'm in a really great place. I'm in, um, I'm, I'm, it's taken a number of years to get to the professional role where I feel like I'm thriving. I feel like I'm a better leader. I feel like I have a great team. You know, we, um, you know, we're able to kill numbers in, in multiple roles that I've been in, but it, but Having said that, and, you know, I think it's really important for people that are listening to understand that it's that confidence. It's humbling when you're looking at, you know, when you are trying to get back to, I remember I couldn't get anybody to return my phone calls. And I finally got a, a recruiter to meet me um, out in the suburbs for coffee. And um, he was handling some accounts for Google. And I said, oh, well, you know, is there an opportunity for me there? And he started laughing. <laughs> And, you know, it, it's very, very humbling. And, um, you know, people, um, you know, it was very interesting because I had one uh, recruiter who was really not very nice to me when I was in a kind of, lack of a better word, a desperate place, now very much trying to get my business, you know. And it's, you know, I think it's really important to be kind to people and nice to people along the way. And, um, you know, I really try to, and, and that's, again, I mean, it's all volunteer. I mean, outside of my work, it's all volunteer as far as talking about transitions and getting back to work and, you know, but it's, I really try to speak to the companies, like to see the value and let them back in and uh, to, you know, try to support people um, 
you know, along the way. And now more than ever, because, you know, there's so much going on in the world right now. And there's a lot of talented people that are looking for work. Yeah. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. We need all of the um, cheerleaders that we possibly can out there for the people that are looking for work. And just want to thank you for being on the podcast. It's been wonderful talking with you. You as well, Chris. Enjoy your day, whatever you're doing. And we'll talk later. Bye. Christine Carlson invites you to rediscover who you are now. Find a sense of renewed purpose and reveal your most vibrant self by joining her popular What Now program. Whether you're a new empty nester, transitioning in your career, recently heartbroken or divorced, undergoing the body and hormone changes of midlife, or just feeling void of everyday passion, it's easy to feel stuck and disengaged. This is why Christine created a six-week mentorship program just for you. The What Now course offering will lead you through the waves of change and transition to get you unstuck from the mundane of daily life, making it easier for you to find passion and ease. Each week's lesson is offered as an online audio teaching, so you can listen anytime and anywhere. Each teaching is accompanied by an in-depth workbook to make the learning deep, profound, and enjoyable as you embark on a new chapter in your journey. There's no better way to take your what now and use it to awaken your most vibrant life of joy. Register today at christinecarlson.com forward slash vibrant life.